G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. I'm sitting there one day, my head in my hands. I was broke. I was broken. I was discouraged. I was depressed. I was exhausted. I was burnt. I was empty. And I just remember sitting there, head in my hands, thinking, this is not the life I want. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Andrew Jobling says that when he was a child, he was an insecure, attention-seeking mama's boy. Then, in his teenage years, he was driven to find acceptance through playing footy. With limited skills and physical prowess, Andrew Jobling played professional Australian football for seven years. After retiring from footy and with no experience or qualifications, Andrew accidentally decided to write his first book and is now a best-selling author of several books. So, how did this all come about? And what role did his Christian faith play in all of it? We'll find out as Andrew Jobling shares his story with us today. Andrew's sitting down and having a chat with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios. Andrew Jobling, welcome to the program. Thanks, Eric. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you with us. And let's go back to your childhood. You wrote to me saying that you were an insecure, attention-seeking middle child, or in other words, a mama's boy. That's right. Is that your childhood? Yeah, yeah, mate. Let's go way back many, (laughs) many decades ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth. Yeah, I'm a middle child, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure we've got some listeners that are relating to middle child and attention-seeking. I was... Just for some reason, I, you know, born into a beautiful family, loving family, but I was insecure mm-hmm. and I wanted attention. I guess part of it was because I had a younger sister. I, I had an older brother who was really smart. His teachers or my teachers always said to me, Andrew, why aren't you more like your brother? And then my younger sister oh, don't came you hate when that happens? I want to, yeah, I hated it. I wanted yeah. to punch my brother and <laughs> Stop punch, <it. laughs> punch teachers as well. And then my younger sister came along and she was ridiculously cute. She looked a lot like... Shelly Temple. She had these tight oh, curls okay. and she had yeah. a birthmark on her cheek. She was so cute and everyone's going, oh, isn't she cute? And I'm just there going, hey, what about me? I'm just me, a regular me, person. <laughs> me. What about me, 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 yeah. me? Yeah. And so I did whatever I could for attention. Mm. You know, I if I didn't get it, I'd have a tantrum. Tantrum was sort of my go-to. Running away from home was mm. a big deal. And yeah, so I, it was just this chasing from a young age. And mm. for a lot of my life, I've, I've spent chasing attention, mm. validation, acceptance, Love thinking that it was outside of me, mm-hmm. and it was interesting. It was that that desire to be seen and acknowledged and validated that led this skinny little sooky mama's boy <laughs> child into the desire to play professional sport. Okay, we'll get to that in a moment. But where were you born and raised? Uh, I'm a Melbourne boy, so born okay. and bred Melbourne, Australia. Okay, and yeah, lived here my whole life, and yeah. Beautiful place. So let's talk about your athletic prowess. My Well, prowess, it's an interesting word, isn't it? We were yeah. talking about this before we started. <laughs> you know, I don't think I had a lot of it. And and as I sort of think back now, and this is many, many decades later, you know, I can see the part that faith played 
and God played in mm-hmm. my whole life, my journey, and never really not, re- recognized it mm-hmm. until recently. But not necessarily overtly. No. But, not, but only looking back at it. Well, looking back now, mm-hmm. I, I never recognized it at the time, but there were voices in my head. There were things that led me to do things. I mean, you know, this need to be validated, this need to get attention led me to a decision, like a, a totally crazy decision to be a football, a play professional Australian football. And so at, at a young age, you know, wanting to get attention, I, st- I started thinking to myself, well, how am I going to do it? Because mm-hmm. the tantrum thing's not really working yeah, for me. Yeah, that's not going to work on the It's not only giving me a long-term <laughs> gain here. So yeah. the thought was, well, wow, if I did something amazing, if I became famous yeah. and good at something, then that would give me the attention I wanted and then I'd feel better about myself and validated. Everything would be perfect. Everything would be perfect. Hmm. So in this young, naive mind of mine, I thought I'm going to be a footballer. I'm going to be a professional footballer. And mm-hmm. so I don't know how old I was. I might have been seven or eight years old. I started on this journey. So- I'm one of those people, I'm very spontaneous. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm one of those people, I get an idea, I get a thought, I get excited, I get into action. I don't need to have all the answers, mm-hmm. which has been an amazing blessing in my life. I mean, there's been a lot of expensive lessons as a result of it. <laughs> I could imagine. However, yeah. I would never be sitting here as an author or having played professional sport or doing the things that I'm doing. I wouldn't be having this conversation with you today if it wasn't me. So mm-hmm. so I just thought, okay, I'm going to do that. And I just got excited, got into action, started playing footy, much to the annoyance of my teachers and my parents that I wasn't really investing much time in learning or education. I didn't think I needed it. You know, I'm <laughs> going to be a footballer, no brains required, right? Like, <laughs> So at the age of 16, I was 16 years old after some focus some work I got invited to come and train at a professional club in Melbourne mm-hmm. and for the next seven years I played professional sport so I mean uh, and how did that go well look did it give me the result I wanted no however I look as I look back you know I'm incredibly proud of what I did to get there I'm incredibly proud of um, what I had to overcome to succeed to the level that I did mm-hmm. and and I you know there are lessons that amazing lessons come out of that period of my life, that's mm-hmm. seven years in my teens and early 20s that have shaped my life, you know, lessons like focus and mm. and work and creating oh, yeah. good habits and overcoming, you know, and, and not taking rejection as a no. And just mm-hmm. and again, you know, when I think back, it's obviously that God was with me saying, Andrew, just keep going. It's mm-hmm. The doors are going to open. You know, I went from, I played my first senior game of footy at last game of the 1983 season. Mm-hmm. I didn't play my second game till halfway through the 1985 season. That's 20 months. So I went 20 months without injuring myself. Just I missed selection week after week after mm. week after week for 20 months. Wow. And so many people, and I came close to giving up many times. I certainly doubted myself. I started thinking I'm not good enough. But there was a voice in my head. Andrew, keep showing up. Mm. Just keep showing up. I now know that was God. Mm. Say, so Andrew, keep showing up because you'll get there. And so when that second game finally happened, that was the start of my career. Mm. And it was those 20 months that I needed, those 20 months of rejection and what seemed like failure and what seemed like lack of results and nothing happening that actually were the foundation of the person I am today, the mm-hmm. footballer I became, and I use that now in my whole life, That just knowing that if I just keep showing up and I keep putting myself in there and I keep trying and keep going, the results are predictable and mm-hmm. it's been a wonderful journey. I mean, people ask me, mm-hmm. seven years, what are the best period of that football career? And I say yeah. 20 months where I miss selection every single month. And really? People look at me like, you're an idiot. Why? Yeah. And I said, because that's when I learned. That's when I grew. That's when I became resilient. That's when I... When I 
started to believe more in myself. Mm. So through adversity, that's when we grow. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. 100%. Now, you said you were spontaneous, but that doesn't sound spontaneous. That's stick-to-itiveness. That's persevering. That's showing up week after week. So you have a bit of both, would you say? I do. Well, look, the spontaneity is getting started. Yeah. You know, and Mm -hmm. and I'm one of the things I'm good at is getting started. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that – Actually, seeing things through mm-hmm. has had been a bit of a challenge for me. But I think when you know what you want, and this is the key point, when you're really clear on what you want, and when you've attached a strong emotional desire to that, mm. persistence becomes second nature. Resilience becomes second nature when you know. And I knew that for me, it was important. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make it. I wanted to be there. I wanted to be known. I wanted to be famous. And yeah. You know, th- again, thinking that would be the answer to all my woes, and but it was important enough for mm. me to just keep getting up because I thought, well, if I give up at any point, I'm just going to be nobody again. Mm. So not necessarily, I mean, looking back, not necessarily a good motivation, but yet a motivation that kept you striving. It was the wrong motivation for sure. But at that stage in my life, it was the motivation that kept me going mm-hmm. when, when I know many people gave up. Mm-hmm. Now, you said you heard voice of God in your head, looking back, that's how you recognize it. Did you have any formal religious education or any exposure to God or anything no, up to that well, point? Well, I went to um, I went to a unite. The, the school I went to was a uniting church, um, but there was very little input, mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't pay any attention to it anyway. Uh, my mum was my mum's mum was Jewish. My mum's dad was Catholic, uh, but there was no active practicing mm-hmm. faith activity in mm-hmm. any really. The only time I went to church was for weddings and funerals. That was pretty so much it. So nominal influence on your life. Negligible influence on my mm-hmm. life. So, you know, I've always thought it was it was always me. I had to be the one. I had to be chasing and, you know, achieving. I, I put so much pressure on myself all of the time mm-hmm. and, and most of my life I've lived with anxiety because I... I never measured up to me, to what I thought I needed to be. So it's always been, you know, I achieved one thing, I played one game, I've got to play another, now I've got another. And and the interesting thing with my footy career while we're still mm. on it, yeah, I finally got there. You know, I finally made it as a regular senior footballer. Even though you admit you weren't the most physically I gifted person. I made it, but do you know what happened? I didn't feel any better about myself. Now, mm. look, I'm proud I made it, and, and it was, you know, I, I felt... Um, well, I sent it. Sense a sense of, of achievement, yeah, a sense, sense of accomplishment, of but yeah. I didn't love myself anymore. That's for yeah. sure. And all of a sudden, and this is what happened to my mm. footy career, I stopped trying as hard. Mm. Just I think it was more an unconscious thing because it wasn't giving me what I went into it for in the first place, which was that validation. Mm. And it was more to feel good about me. And so after a few years of playing regular footy and it was started beginning becoming a bit of a chore. It was hard work. The training was hard. We were losing most weeks. So it was not f- that mm, much fun. Yeah. I stopped trying. And before I knew it, I was gone. I was sacked. Mm. And, and I look back and I can see now that the reason I that happened was because I just – I recognized that this is not giving me what I want. Yeah, yeah. So – Well, how can you stay motivated – when the whole reason you were motivated in the first place is kind of evaporated. Exactly right. It was never there in the first place. I mean, you know, there, you get these momentary feelings of validation when yeah. someone pats you on the back and says, good game, or maybe, you know, you get attention from the opposite sex or or you get young teenagers coming up saying, oh, 
good on your jobbers or whatever mm. it might be. Yeah. And, and there's that immediate feeling, that instant feeling of, yeah, great. But when you're alone with yourself, you're alone with yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. And and if you're not going to pat yourself on the back and lift yourself up and tell you that you're good enough when you don't have, you know, that belief that God loves me anyway, no yeah. matter what yeah. happens, then it's very easy just to spiral and to... And to go, oh, well, what am I doing this for if yeah. it's not really helping me be who I want to be or feel the way I want to feel? You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with former AFL player Andrew Jobling, who's now a best-selling author and motivational speaker. We'll hear more of Andrew's story, including some important lessons in life he's learned when we return. The Story... If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is former AFL player Andrew Jobling, who's now a best-selling author and motivational speaker. As we heard before the break, Andrew was always striving to find success by being accepted and admired by others. Unfortunately, this wasn't working and finding lasting fulfilment seemed to always be elusive for Andrew. Now we'll find out what happened next in Andrew's life as he continues his chat with Eric Scadabo. Well, after I left my professional career, I mean, I kept playing footy for another sort of 10 years or so, but my career sort of headed into the fitness industry. So Mm -hmm. I started working as a personal trainer Mm -hmm. and my next focus was on me, my body, thinking, well, that'll do it. You know, if I've got the body, you know, this really, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was this skinny kid, right? So I'm thinking, "Mm, that's not going to attract anyone. So I started working out and obsessively training and overtraining to the point where I built myself and my physique and mm. thought that, again, this is going to make me feel good. This that is going will to help bring me. you lasting fulfillment. And I did, and I got there, and and I'm glad I did, and I still, you know, my health and well-being is still a massive priority for mm-hmm. me today, and I'm incredibly grateful for the habits that I created, but it never gave me that feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was a personal trainer for 15 years and worked long hours. You know, mm-hmm. again, why was I working such long hours? Because I thought, well, the, lo- the longer and harder you work, the more admired and respected you'll be. Mm-hmm. I thought, again, well, I'm just going to wear that as a badge of honor and, and being busy will be my thing and help yeah. me feel like I'm important. Yeah, but again, it's what other people think of me is what will bring me lasting yep. fulfillment. That's right. So that's been a lot of my life. Mm-hmm. So it led me to a point where I finally got so over personal training and the hours that I was working and I started to learn a lot about different aspects of well-being and I mm-hmm. started to learn about nutrition and so I was a part owner of a personal training business I was working about 80 hours a week wow. know, I was training a lot of people and I yeah. you know we had probably 20 25 trainers that you know I was partly responsible for and I started to think well there's got to be more to my life than just this so mm-hmm. in a spontaneous moment mm-hmm. and this was god and even though when I tell you how this ended you go what Okay. It was the platform for the greatest decision and the greatest – it was a turning point in my life. So I make this decision. With all this knowledge about nutrition, I started thinking, well, how am I going to use this 
and I thought, I'm going to buy a cafe. Like, crazy decision because, A, I was working 80 hours a week in my own business as it was, mm. and I had no experience in hospitality. Yeah. But again, it's this spontaneous, okay, that's going to do it. I'll have a cafe. I'll offer really healthy food. I'll educate people. I'll run workshops. I'll do all this really cool stuff. I'm going to make lots of money and I'll be able to get out of personal training because I'll have this really successful cafe and food business. So the vision was grand. Mm. The implementation, not so good. Mm. Uh, Within two years, I was working seven days a week. So I ended up working well over 100 hours a week in both businesses. The cafe ends up in close to $100,000 debt. Mm. And I'm sitting there one day. I'm sitting there, my head in my hands. I was broke. I was broken. Mm. I was discouraged. I was depressed. I was exhausted. I Mm. was burnt. I was empty. And I just remember sitting there, head in my hands, thinking, this is not the life I want. So I asked myself a question that I'd never asked myself before. And the question was, Andrew, how do you want to live? Because this isn't it. Mm-hmm. And I had never once asked myself that question before. It's always, what do you want to do? What can you do to be validated? What can mm. you do to be successful? And all of those things had led me to this point where I'm working seven days a week, over 100 hours, and I end up in close to $100,000 debt. So I sat there and I started to visualize this life that I wanted. I wanted to be I wanted to love my life. I wanted to have energy. I wanted to have time. I wanted to have money. I wanted to be doing something that made a difference. I wanted to I wanted to be healthy and have great relationships. And I think, you know, I think mm-hmm. we would all if we all yeah. asked ourselves that question, how do I want to live, we'd all have some kind of similar answer. I mean, mm-hmm. there'd be specifics that would be different, but I think we'd all say something similar. So I got mm-hmm. in that moment I got clarity. This is how I want to live, but how do, how's that gonna happen? This is the voice. I heard. Mm-hmm. Again, didn't recognize it as God at the time, but the voice said, Andrew, write a book. Now, huh. the most illogical idea ever, <laughs> Eric. Like, yeah. honestly, crazy. How did so, you go in school? He, terrible. <laughs> English was my worst subject. Now, here am I. I'm working seven days a week in two businesses. I've got one business that's failing miserably. I don't read. I don't write. English was my worst subject. I've got no background, no skills, no qualifications, no experience, nothing, nothing that would indicate that writing a book was a smart thing to do. But here's what happened. That vision that I saw, God connected writing a book to help me achieve that vision. So I I saw it. I, I then thought, okay, well, if I was an author... I'd love it. That'd be awesome. Mm. I'd be able to help more people because the book will go places I'll never go and it'll, mm. and it'll live far beyond me. It'll open doors for me to do more speaking. It'll help me create multiple sources of income. It'll help me love my life. It'll help me do the things I want to do. Okay, I'm going to do it. So I got started that day, that very day. I wow. thought, okay, I'm going to write a book. And so off I went with no idea what I was doing, just faith. I just, I just stepped in faith and I thought, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but if I know if I take the first step, the path will open itself up for me. And the path opened itself up for me. Two years later, I was a published author. It became a best-selling book. Oh, wow. And I call myself an accidental author because yeah. I don't believe there are any accidents in life at all. Mm-hmm. However, it was a very unlikely scenario. Like mm-hmm. the, even the fact that it came to the point where I was $100,000 in debt working seven days a week, that was the prompt. And this is when I talk about that moment and when I say I was in $100,000 debt and people say, well, that, that's bad. That must have been horrible. And I go, yeah. well, at the time it was, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me because I don't believe if I wasn't in that situation, I would have made that decision to write a book. And that was the thing I needed to do because two years after being 
publishing my first book. I was retired. I was out of debt. I retired from personal training. That was 2006. And mm. since that time, I've been writing books and speaking and mm. mentoring and traveling and doing stuff that I absolutely love. And in fact, looking back now, it was that decision to write the book that helped me create the vision that I saw then and that mm. I'm living today. Now, here's a question that's coming to my mind. Your life was not a success at that point. You're in debt, working hard, but yet you felt that you had something to say. Well, look, I think it all depends on how you define success, doesn't it? Mm. You know, if you're putting your definition of success on money in the bank, I was a miserable failure. Mm. But I wasn't putting my definition of success on money. Mm-hmm. I was saying, okay, well, I know stuff. I've got experience now and I know I can help people. Mm. And my first moment, that first point was, I was all, I've always been lean and healthy and, and fit. And I've always had that. That's something that's mm-hmm. been consistent. I'm now, you know, a m- m- far more mature man than I was back then. But I've created habits. I know how to be healthy. I know how to eat. I know how to exercise. I know things that, and I now know how to think and mm. I know ha- ha- how to pray and I now know a lot of things that bring peace, which is obviously connected to longevity. So I knew at that moment I had something to say mm-hmm. and I also had a vision of a life that I wanted to live. So yeah, the voice led me. Mm. You know, I knew intuitively, Andrew, you got something to say and there's a reason for your being here. And this is honestly in my mind at that time. As I started thinking about becoming an author, I started doubting a little bit, thinking, Andrew, you can't write a book. And then I thought, well, why not? What evidence is there? What evidence? If I was in a court of law, mm-hmm. right, and if I had the jury there yeah. and the judge and the, and the you know, if I was being on, sitting on the stand, there's no one that could prove to me that I cannot be a best-selling author. There's no evidence on earth that can conclusively prove that I cannot do it. Therefore, there's a chance. Mm -hmm. And that's what I went with. I went on that slim hope that, well, if I can't prove that I can't do it, there must be a chance that I can do it, Mm -hmm. and off I went. And one step at a time, one day at a time, one word at a time, I started the process. I started to believe a little bit more. I started to get a bit more confidence. I started to see this can happen Mm. to the point where I go, I'm going to do this. I am going to do this. And I think a big part of it is just, just this belief, this naive belief going, well, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be best-selling author. I'm not going to do it and waste my time and have a book that doesn't sell. Mm. And it sold. It did. It sold incredibly well. And do you think it helped people? I know it helped people. I know. In fact- So that's got to be fulfilling. Oh, well, that's when I, when I truly found my purpose. So about six months after the book, my first book was published, I got an email from a guy- from the other side of Australia, someone in Perth, mm. saying that his family had given him my book as a birthday present because mm. he was unhealthy, very unhealthy. He said, oh, look, I've lost 25 kilos, my life's changed, my whole family's adopted your wellness practices, I share this information with everyone that I meet. Oh, okay. Right? Now, in that moment, being an author went from something that felt good, you know, again, an mm-hmm. ego boost yeah, yeah. to mm-hmm. something that was a mission now because I now know I can impact lives and I now I know I can impact lives of people I don't even know yeah. and lives of people I'll never meet. I know my book will do things and I've had that belief ever since and that's why I keep doing what I do. So in particular, it's helping people in the area of well-being and nutrition, 
Well, in the early stages, mm-hmm. but with my later books, it's more around, you know, just self-belief and mindset mm-hmm. and faith and, mm-hmm. you know, understanding the power of their thoughts and, and that anything's possible if you focus on the right things. Mm-hmm. You also mentioned that you got out of debt. How did that come about? Well, I got out of debt simply because I started to focus on – I stopped focusing on making money. I started focusing on helping people. Mm. I stopped focusing on myself and started focusing on others. So, I, so maturity is entering the picture. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, absolutely. I started to realize the more people I can help, the more money I'm going to make. So mm. if I just focus on helping people, then I'll make more money. If I, if I focus on making money, then – you know, how are you going to make money? What are you going to do to make money? You're just trying to sell stuff. Mm. But if I'm focusing on helping someone, mm. you know, I know that my book or my talking or my mentoring or my podcast can help someone in their life, that's why I'm going to do it. Mm. Now, if they've got to then buy my book to get the information, that's great. If they've got to book me to come and speak, then fantastic. But I know that my focus has become mm. now every single day every single day it's how do I help more people so at this point in your life you're starting to go from me 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 focusing on me and getting affirmation from others to looking to others and their well-being yep and paradoxically you're realizing that's the start of fulfillment yes it was in that moment that it all changed I stopped thinking about me as much now don't get me wrong Mm. you know I I was still insecure in Mm. a lot of ways still struggled with my own self-love. Mm-hmm. But at least now I was feeling better mm. because I was helping other people. Well, that was part one of Eric Scadabo having a chat with Andrew Jobling, who's sharing his life story. And as we can hear, Andrew is on a long journey and slowly learning some valuable lessons along the way. So far, we've mainly heard about his professional life. Next time, we'll learn about his personal life and how he finally puts his faith in Jesus. That's all coming up next time. But before we end today, I just want to emphasize the valuable lesson we just heard Andrew learn about helping others. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17 says, Those who are gracious to the poor lend to the Lord, and the Lord will fully repay them. You see, in many ways, the mere act of being charitable is its own reward. But as this verse indicates, being compassionate to people who are less fortunate is also something that God will reward. Maybe not with a literal financial reward, but with blessings to all who help others. Good to know that God highly favours those who help others. An important lesson for all of us as we decide how to spend our time and money. Well, to find out more information about Andrew Jobling and everything he's up to, you can go to his website, andrewjobling.com.au. Once again, that's andrewjobling.com.au. And until next time, when we'll hear part two of Andrew's story, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I didn't like me. I still didn't like me. I thought I did, but I, I realised I didn't. And being alone was really hard. And, and then all these things that I'd shoved down for so long, like, why do you do the things that you do? Why do you behave the way you do? Why do you think the way you do? Why do you believe the way you do? I never stopped to really think about Andrew Jobling grew up always chasing validation and admiration and thought that obtaining it would bring him lasting happiness. Andrew joins us once again to share more of his story and how he finally found true fulfilment. That's all coming up next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.